All right, so we're in a series called So You're Dead, Now What? And we're going to, again, talk about the afterlife and what happens after you're, after you're dead and gone. And uh, last week, we started on heaven, and I'm going to continue today on heaven. Uh, there's just so much to say about it uh, that I think it's important that we spend a couple weeks on it. And then next week, we're going to talk about hell. And I really, really encourage you, uh, as much as you may think, oh, that's a negative and that's a thing, uh, I think it's really important for us to understand uh, that it's a big part of our Christian walk. You know, it's real easy in Christian culture nowadays uh, when we look at our walk with God and the things of God, we very much veer toward blessing and what God does for us and all the good and all the, and uh, those things are all truths that God has for our life, but he's positioned us and put things in our information and in our arsenal, if you will, the things that we know uh, to help us live a life away from a place called hell because it's a real thing, and it's a big deal in our life. And so uh, don't just say, well, I'm saved, I'm, I'm going to heaven, I don't need to hear a sermon on hell. I think we all need to know the information, uh, because it's a big deal, amen? So that's next week. And then the last week, we're going to talk about the process of salvation, how to maybe lead somebody to Christ or have the conversation with them about their sins and forgiveness and the cross and what it looks like to be converted. I, I think, you know, those are terms that get really funny in modern culture. Uh, have you been converted? Or in the, And you think of maybe someone knocking on your door and trying to give you a speech. But, but that's a process uh, that is one of the most important things we need to understand as Christians and Christ followers, and that's the, the redemptive work of of God. Are you with me? And so today we'll, we'll jump right into heaven. I will give you a little bit of last week. Uh, we talked about the reason it's so important for us to talk about eternity, eternity and to be eternity minded and eternally minded is because the truth is Jesus spoke more about money and eternity, scholars believe, than he did everything else combined. So when they take a look at the things that he talked about and, and, and things that were uh, in conversation as he met with people, uh, he's saying, look, here's some things that are so important for us. We need to know about eternity and where we're going and how we live to get there. And then he also mentioned stewardship uh, a lot and money and resources and how we live our life because I think those go together. But isn't it interesting that the modern church in America they actually avoid these two topics almost the most, money and eternity, how we live our life, heaven, hell, repentance, sin, all these kinds of things. And so if Jesus spent this much time on it, how much more should the church be talking about our afterlife and, and what matters? And here's why I believe it's really important, because what you believe about death and eternity will determine how you live your life here. What you believe about the afterlife and, and your time after this determines how you live your life here on earth. Uh, Colossians 3, 2 says, set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. There was a saying in church world that said, you're so heavenly minded, you're no earthly good. And there was some truth to that. There was uh, hymns and things that were out that were, we're just waiting to get to heaven. I want to get on the heaven train. And there was this idea of like, now that I'm saved, I'm redeemed. All I want to do is just get to heaven. And they didn't spend any time here making a difference. And so there's a saying, you're so heavenly minded, you're no earthly good. But I thought about it like this, we should be so heavenly minded, we do earthly good. You have such a picture of eternity and, and being with God and dwelling with him that we're so heavenly minded, it's so on our mind, like Colossians says, that it actually motivates us to do some earthly good. Are you with me? But I know some people that are so earthly minded, they're doing no heavenly good. And it's a, it's, a, it's a battle that we're in. You know, we can spend so much time building up and accumulating and working towards the things here on earth that we don't put any energy or effort into making a difference eternally and in the kingdom. Are you with me? 
We spend our lives either on earthly things or on eternal things. And the scripture says this about our life, that our life is but a vapor. If you've thought about it, a way to illustrate it would be if you're boiling something, you take the, the top off and, and a vapor goes up and then it's gone just in a moment. It's a, it's a steam, it's a vapor, it's a thing and then it's gone. So the scripture re- refers to our life as a vapor, something there and then gone, but eternity is like an endless ocean. So if our life here is but a vapor, eternity is like an endless ocean. There is no ending. There is no, de- we're just here. And so we need to spend our energy and efforts not on the vapor, but on the endless ocean. Somebody say amen. Even Jesus, literally in the Great Commission, is like, hey, whatever you do, go into all the world and preach and reach and love people and disciple and make a difference in their life. Why? Because we need to have an eternal mindset. We need to be thinking about heaven. Many people think, well, death and life after, that's something I can deal with later. But later is too late. Amen? So we looked at three things. We looked at the first thing, which is death is certain. The death rate is still 100%. Everybody dies. Everyone in human history becomes human history. But then we looked at the soul and the body are separate. After your earthly body has gone on, uh, we see that something happens. There is something that takes place. You have a soul, and, and, and there's something that happens to you afterward. And then number three, uh, we saw that you face a, a judgment. Uh, there's a life review. There's something that happens where you stand before a judgment seat, and God takes a look at your life, and you go through and give an account for the way that you steward your life that he gave you. The wonderful thing in that is we saw that God has also prepared a reward for us. We saw in Corinthians and Timothy and uh, Thessalonians and Peter and uh, Revelation that there's a thing described as a crown, a crown of righteousness with rejoicing and a crown of glory and a crown of life. There's great things prepared for you as the scripture says when you've made it and you've lived according to the way God called you to. He says, well done, now you may enter rest, come in and, and enjoy in that reward. So it's a very rewarding place. Many of us don't like the idea of judgment, uh, and, but we stand before a judge and then you have a reward. Uh, somebody say amen. And so today, I want to continue to talk about heaven. And while I, uh, I like to kind of maybe preach more than teach, today I'm going to teach a little bit more, kind of just go through some facts and some points, kind of line upon line. Uh, like I said, if I were to just talk about heaven in detail every week, we could talk about it for six months. Uh, there's a book out there that's really good. If you don't want to buy this book, uh, there's another one by a guy uh, named Randy Elkhorn just called Heaven. Uh, if you look it up, it's called Heaven. There's a lot of uh, study and research in, resource in that one as well. But there's this great thought that I want to start with today. In Ecclesiastes 3.11, it says, He has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also put eternity in their hearts, speaking of us. God has made everything beautiful in its time, but then it says that He's put eternity in your hearts, uh, if you've ever, this is such a crazy analogy, but if you've ever uh, maybe heard of or had uh, a cat growing up, we had barn cats, and so they lived outside, and they, you know, they did different things, uh, but I've heard stories, and I've had experiences where we have not seen a cat that we've had for like three years, a year, three years, four years, and then all of a sudden, one day, that cat came back and went to its same place and did its thing that it always knew how to do. Maybe in our barn, all of a sudden, after years later, it would come back and jump up on a stable or sit in a thing, and you're like, this is ridiculous. And there's stories out there of people who you know, miss the family pet, and all of a sudden, uh, they do research, too, of how um, like raccoons will have 
babies in one specific place, and then they'll, they'll follow them. They'll leave for miles and miles and miles. When it comes time to give birth again, they go back to the specific place. There's like a homing device in an animal that draws it back to its place. I believe about us, God has set a homing device inside you for eternity. There's a desire on the inside of you that, that draws you and causes you to be eternally minded. You've maybe heard a good thing or a story or, or you've heard something, and, and there's just this thing that happens on the inside of you that's like, yeah, that's right. That's a little bit of heaven. That's a good, it's like that eternal thing like we just read that's set on the inside of you. Are you with me? He's put eternity on the inside of our hearts. We, we, we all can't explain it or, or lay it out, but it's something that we know of. There's a story of a boy who was flying a kite and he let his kite go so high in the air. He flew it out that it was out of sight. He still had the string and he still held on, but he could no longer see the kite. And a person walks up to him and says, where's your kite? And he says, it's up there. And he says, I can't see your kite. How do you know it's there? He says, it's there because I feel its tug. I can't see it. I can't explain what it's doing, but there's a tug on the inside of me. There's a tug that I can tell. How many of you can relate to that about heaven and eternity and the goodness of God? Like, I can't see it all the time. I can't always put it together, but there's a tug that I have. Augustine wrote this, Thou made us for thyself, speaking of God. God made us for him, and our heart is restless until it rests in thee. You see, here on earth, there's never going to be a complete satisfaction in you until we dwell with God. He made us and created us to be with him. Our heart, our, our homing device, our GPS is set on eternity with God. Are you with me? And so there's no goal you can accomplish. There's no thing you can achieve here on earth that's eventually going to settle you. Now, we believe in the peace of God, and there's things that he can make you content here on earth, but eternity spent with him is how you were designed to live. Heaven is everything. Are you with me? Yeah. The Apostle Paul put it this way in Philippians 1, 23 and 24. He said, I'm torn between two desires. I long to go to be where Christ is, for which would be far better for me, but for your sake, it is better that I continue to live. So he's saying, look, my heart is so set on heaven. I know that's where I'm meant to be. I know that's what I, I, I long for. And, and I know that's what God has meant for me. But I also understand that there's a work for me to do here. I'm here now and there's a purpose for me to accomplish here. We should be so heavenly minded. We do earthly good. Are you with me? So I Googled some facts. I was like, how do we, how do we answer questions about heaven? How do we get into this? And so I looked in 2016, and some of these are kind of weird, uh, but I looked in 2016, the most searched topics about heaven. When it pinged results about heaven, uh, these were the most commonly asked questions. And so I got just a few of them. We're going to literally practically take the question and give the answer, and I hope it kind of gives you a better picture of heaven. Uh, there's a lot of verses here, so we can't put them all on the screen, and, and you probably just need to write where they're found and look them up later. Uh, so I'll give them to you as we go, but the first question that a lot of people ask is, will we become angels? When we die and go to heaven, do we become angels? Death is a relocation of the same person to another location. So when you die, who you are, uh, if you're on your way to heaven, you Go from where you are to a place called heaven. It's a relocation of who you are. Scripture says in 2 Corinthians 5, 8, that the same person becomes absent from their body and becomes present with the Lord. 
So you actually do not become an angel. You are who you are present with the Lord. Now, there's some specifics in there where I can talk about how that happens and in, in the, in the bodies being raised and that kind of stuff, but we won't get into that right now. So basically, the answer is no, you don't become an angel. That's a big question for people is when we get to heaven, do we all become angels? Uh, and so, no, you are present with the Lord who you are. Number two, uh, I will say this, you will be with angels in heaven. Uh, the Bible talks about how specifically uh, you will be around angels. You'll have experiences with named angels who we know from Scripture. Uh, so you'll have encounters with angels, but you won't be one. Number two, well, we have bodies and live like humans. So the idea here is, the question is, when we get to heaven, will we have a body? Will we live like I've lived now? Will we live like a human? Will we, uh, will we be ourselves or will we interact like some kind of creature? Will we be some program thing in heaven? Uh, Revelation <laughs> talks a lot of, about a lot of things that were seen in heaven, uh, different uh, creature-like things. But the question here is like, how will we be? How will we interact? And Revelation 21 gives a great answer about this thing called the new earth. Again, I can't speak a lot just for time's sake, uh, but we go to heaven and the scripture says that we will join with Jesus to redeem earth. There will be a new earth made where we will spend eternity with him. And the scripture actually goes on to say that uh, we have the privilege of doing that work with Christ. We get to come back and, and redeem earth and restore work uh, here on earth. And so the truth about that is, is it describes the new earth to have natural wonders, animals, trees, rivers, cities, houses, architect. Scripture goes on to say in the new earth, we will laugh, eat, drink, tell stories uh, because of the work that we do in redeeming the earth. It's, it's possible to say, that you will build and garden and make crafts. You'll, scripture alludes to caring for animals. So I believe that we will actually function as you are. You will still act human-like. You will do human-like things. You will uh, do these things. Now, someone says, well, wait a minute. I thought in heaven what we do is worship God. Uh, I'll explain how that works in a minute. As we're redeeming earth, it's a worship work that we do with God. It's unto the glory of God. Does that make sense? Number three. Interesting question here, uh, I think a lot of us would ask, will we still be ourselves with our memories of this life? Jesus actually gave us a picture of this when he came back after Jesus rose from the dead, you see in Luke 24, it says he came to the disciples and said, look at my hands, look at my feet. He said, it is myself. He said, touch me and see, because a ghost does not have flesh and bones, as you can see I have Having said this, he showed him his hands and feet. Jesus had memory of what took place before his death, burial, and resurrection. He came back saying, yeah, remember this, my hands, you guys touched me, I understand that. And so I believe that it's true that you would have an understanding of your life before and people in your life and experiences that you've had. Now, remember, there is no mourning, there is no sadness, there is no turmoil. So I would say negative experiences would be something that you wouldn't remember and participate in. But Jesus saying, hey, look, I have these connections with you and to you. I believe it's possible to say that you'll have those memories. Number four, Will we still experience emotions? Uh, I was a youth pastor for 10 years, so a lot of the questions that I got about heaven and eternity uh, were of a place of concern that we would be very robotic. You hear that in heaven, uh, it's an eternal worship service, and they're singing, and, and we cry out, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, and all of that stuff is amazing, and that's going to be the best part of it. Uh, but a lot of questions were, you know, are we just going to be this programmed thing? Uh, but the truth is the heavens, heavens and scriptures and people's experiences in heaven, uh, they talk very much about how we have real life 
feelings and senses and emotions, uh, I would say this. In the scripture, uh, God said in scripture to you right now, he said things to us like enjoy, laugh, take delight is how he spoke in scripture. He said things like rejoice. He said things also like be angry and sin not. He said uh, you have times of happiness and jealousness we see in scripture. And so all of these things God used to express emotion And if God rules and reigns in heaven, and those are expressions that he gave us to use, I believe that we have those expressions, joy and laughter and zeal and all of those things. I believe we still experience those same human-like experiences in heaven. Are you with me? Scripture says in Luke 6, we know that people in heaven have a feast that the scripture says in Luke 6, there's going to be singing and there's going to be a feast and there's going to be eating and laughter. And so I believe in heaven, you have those experiences. But in Revelation 21, 4, it says that he will wipe away every tear from your eye and there will no longer be any death. There will no longer be any mourning, crying or pain. So I do believe this, uh, that the sadness side of it, where you would connect to a pain uh, or, or a turmoil or a thing like that, I believe you don't experience that, but I believe you experience a joy. The scripture says right now in heaven, we have people interceding and cheering us on that have gone before us. I believe uh, that that's a, that's a passion that they have to see you do well. It's a joy that they have to cheer us on. Are you with me? So I believe you experience all those things as well. Number five, uh, this was a big one uh, that was searched. <laughs> Won't heaven, this was literally a search result that, that pinged enough to become a thing. Uh, It was said, won't heaven be boring? Won't heaven be boring? Are we going to miss our old lives? Won't heaven be boring? Are we going to miss our old lives? I would say like this. If you've ever flown before in regular class seating, and all of a sudden you got upgraded to first class seating, I don't think you sat in first class seating wondering about how it would have been if you were in the regular class seating. (laughs) Well, I wonder how it's going back there, you know. Am I missing out on anything back there? I remember there's a band that I travel and follow, and uh, it's been, you know, it's like a thing my brother and I do, and we travel, and friends of ours, we do it. So I've been to 30-some shows of theirs, and I had an experience in Virginia one time where uh, we were just outside the venue, and we had bad seats. And uh, literally before the show, it was minutes before the show, I literally ran in like a girl to a Justin Bieber concert. I literally ran in the doors because minutes before the show, a group of people at the venue came and gave me at like my 20-something show front row tickets to my all-time favorite band who we travel and see. And can I tell you, during that time, I never once thought about how it would have been in my old seat. I enjoyed the upgrade. Do you understand what I'm saying? In heaven, you're not going to be in eternal glory dwelling with God wondering what it would be like to still be back on earth or live the way that you used to live. The upgrade is so amazing. You won't even be able to comprehend. The scripture says that Jesus said to the thief on the cross, he said, you'll be with me in paradise, paradise. The scripture says, as we talked about last week, that the word says that he's gone and prepared a place for us. If you've ever prepared anything for your kids, you know how amazing it is to, for somebody to enjoy. You've made something, oh, they're going to love this. This is going to be awesome. I've prepared this for them. They're going to think it's so amazing. God can't wait to reveal to you what he's prepared for you. You won't think about what it used to be like. Heaven is God's idea to be with us. Isaiah 33, 17 says, your eyes will see the king and his beauty and view a land that stretches afar. Heaven is going to be unbelievable. 
Uh, 1 Corinthians 2, 9, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love them. I said it last week. I want to say it again just to drive this point home. We literally can't even make up in our mind what God has prepared for us. An example of it would be maybe you're in a place where you've had a sliver of this here on earth. You finally get to your favorite vacation place. You've been working hard. You finally get to your one-week, two-week vacation. You get to that place, and for a moment, you go, ah, like this is, this is heaven. Everything's perfect. This, there's no stress. There's no burden. You're like settled. You're like, ah. Oh. Or maybe it's a cuddle. You know, your little ones come up to you, and they're just, they fall asleep. They finally, you're like, ah, oh, yes. Uh, maybe if you're a young mom, your little ones slept through the night, and you're like, it's heaven. <laughs> you heard the angels like, you know. But, you know, we all have these moments where literally it feels like we're not here on earth anymore. It's perfect. That's not even going to compare to what eternity's perfection is like. It's infinitely and indescribably better than anything you could even ask or think of. Psalm 8410 says, better is one day in the courts than a thousand elsewhere. I thought about like this as they describe new senses. Heaven, here's why you're not going to think of your old life or the way or it's going to be boring or anything like that. The reason you can't even compare it or begin to measure the idea that it might be boring is because you don't even know the greatness. You can't make up. I would say it like this. If I were to say to you, listen, you're going to experience snorkeling. You're going to experience this amazing thing where you get oxygen and you can breathe underwater and you get these goggles and you go under the water. And so I'm going to expose you to snorkeling. And so I put everything together for you and I take you off the pier of Grand Haven, Michigan, and I put you down at the bottom of Lake Michigan, just off the pier, and I say, now just enjoy the wonder of snorkeling at the bottom of Lake Michigan, just off the pier in Grand Haven, and you would just enjoy the beauty of it. If that was the most knowledge you had of snorkeling and diving, and you just thought, this is amazing, this is my best life, snorkeling in the bottom of Lake Michigan, where you really can't see and there's nothing to look at. Are you with me, right? God knows what's down there. But then heaven would be, I took you to the most spectacular, and I don't know what they are, Great Barrier Reef, whatever it is, and I took you, and after your highest experience of snorkeling, the best of all time was off the pier, and, and then I took you to the Great Barrier Reef and dropped you in. And the moment you just thought you saw the most amazing reef, you turn and see another one. And then you say, oh, look at this fish. This is just the most amazing kind of fish. And you turn and you look and see a different kind. I promise you there will be no boredom in heaven because you don't understand all that God has prepared for you to see and experience. The scripture, I believe when it talks about how we'll cry, holy, holy, worthy is the Lord God Almighty. When we're doing these experiences, feasts and understanding the things, I believe our bodies will, our, however we are, will continue to speak out that's it. We'll, we'll see a new thing. We'll have a new experience with God. We'll say, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. There's nobody like you. That's the continual worship that you'll be in. Are you with me? So that's the, there. Psalm 1611 says, you fill me with joy in your presence with eternal pleasures at your right hand. Heaven is perfect. All things passed away. You're finally perfected in who you are. I thought about it like this. Uh, you will literally look around heaven and that form of worship will be you did this for me? Wow. Like you, this was your plan for me to be with you? I worship you. Holy, holy. I'm amazed that you've prepared this place for me. Are you with me? It's one of our acts of worship. Number six, as I'm wrapping up, number six, the truth about heaven is it's an actual place. The scripture refers to heaven as a city. 
Uh, we see in writings where it says that they were caught up to the third heaven. I believe it's a physical place outside of our dimensions that we can calculate. You know, scientists actually believe that there are factors and influences happening to our atmosphere that they can't explain, but they are certain that something is happening beyond what we know. Could we have heaven experiences messing with our atmosphere, literally. And so the scripture is saying, uh, it refers to it as a city. It refers to it as a place. All the experiences talk about being, of course, north of here, uh, ascending on high, going to a place north of here. The scripture describes it, and this is what's interesting, as a place that has gardens, uh, flowers, animals, streets, gates, the sky. It's literally a place of a city. There's there's action, there's functioning, streets of gold, pearly gates, all these kinds of things that say action happening place. One of the places that we worship, which would be our, our, our sanctuary, if you were, where we go to worship God, it talks about how like you would consider a stadium to have like balconies to it. But there's just like layers upon layers of people and angels joining together, worshiping in the most beautiful, if you will, stadium you've ever seen. Amen? So, it's a real place. It's a city that we go. Number seven, this is an interesting question that a lot of people want to know. Will we know our loved ones and have ongoing relationships with them? And the truth is about scripture, it gives no indication about how our memory specifically works in terms of relationship. But Paul, who had a heaven experience, wrote to the Thessalonians and he talked about anticipating being with them in heaven in terms of their relationship together. And so that's found in 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 through 18. He talks about how, how he looks forward to participating with them in heaven. And so my belief is that you do. I know that Jesus said to the man on the cross, like I mentioned, uh, remember me in paradise. And Jesus is saying he will. And so that's an earthly encounter that's remembered in heaven. So I believe that you do remember relationships, that you do remember people. And then lastly, this is kind of a fun one. And this is what's so crazy. Uh, this is actually the most searched one. Uh, the most searched one about heaven, and I swear this is true and I'm actually going to answer it because a lot of you are wondering. <laughs> the most searched thing about heaven is will my pets be there? <laughs> uh, that Will my pets be there? Uh, of all the things that they want to know, don't really care if I'm going to be with my in-laws or outlaws. I don't really care about any. I just want my dog, <laughs> which I'm kind of like, I, I see that. There's no specific answer about it, but I'm going to make, as an animal person, I'm going to make a strong run at what I believe. And you guys are going to get out your note pens and take your most notes here about your dog going to heaven than anything else. Isaiah 65, 17 says, the Lord, the Lord says, I will create a new heaven and a new earth. The wolf and the lamb will feed together. They will dwell and not do evil or destroy my, my entire holy mountain. So we know there's animals there and that there's kindness in them, and that he's conscious of them, and that they're mentioned. Scripture also says a lot about animals. In the second earth, as we come and redeem the earth, it says that there's animals, and it inhibits, inhabitants the land. God entrusted animals to us. We see in the very beginning, God is an animal person. He says, hey, listen, they're the second most important thing. He says, look, there's you. And then he says, go and take care of the animals. In Genesis, we see he gave us dominion over them. God actually pays attention to what we do with animals. Romans 8, 20 through 23, God sees animals as a part of the suffering creation. And so if he acknowledges them as a creation that suffers, will he acknowledge them as one that he redeems and that he gives new life to? Uh, now, I'm not going to get into spirit, soul, and body, and, you know, should you go home and pray the prayer of salvation with your dog? I'm not saying that. Like, everybody's getting, 
I'm just pointing to the fact that God cares about animals. His eye is on them, and apparently people want the answer to this. But this is true. Psalm 5011 says, I know every bird in the mountains and insects in the field are mine. Every insect God knows as his and calls his. Every bird in the mountain, if he pays that much attention to them here on earth, I wonder if he pays that much attention to them in heaven. Job 12.10 says, In his hand is the life of every creature and the breath of all mankind. Every creature, every animal is in his hand. He has awareness of. Proverbs 12.10 says, The righteous care for the needs of animals. So he calls you righteous if you take care of your animals. And so how much more would God pay attention to the care that you've put and then maybe welcome them into heaven? Are you with me? Psalm 37, 4 says, take delight in the Lord for he will give you the desires of your heart. That's probably my strongest scripture. If God here on earth tells you to take delight because he gives you desires of your heart, how much more in heaven will he say, you know what, if it's a desire of your heart, I'm going to honor that. I'm going to honor that. And so if, if that's his heart, I believe it's true. Uh, but there is one thing that Cinderella cleared up, and that's cats don't go to heaven. If you all recall the name of the cat in Cinderella, it was Lucifer. And that's just a bad start for cats. So if you're cat people, I can clearly tell you, you've heard me say this before, there's a movie called All Dogs Go to Heaven, but there's not a movie called All Cats. Amen. He said it's a wonderful place, so I'm just assuming any kids. I know. It's like a church full of cat people. The dog people, they're lazy. They come to second. <laughs> All right. I'll close with this, though, in truth, and just if there's any kids in here. Uh, your, your cat's going to heaven, too, in my belief. I'm just teasing a little bit. Um, so silly question, uh, but, but I, just me, just, this is just opinion. Uh, literally, I can't tell you salvation process and Honestly, if you're going to lecture me about that, just hang on to it because <laughs> I'm, I'm just playing with you. I think it's truth, but I have no, I'm not going to get into salvation in their body and their soul and all that. I just believe God gives us the desires of our heart. There's some dogs that I've had in my life I know are definitely not in heaven, and that just came down to their lifestyle. <laughs> but, but true story, I ended last week with this, and I, and I, and I want to say it again this week. Uh, heaven is so important and eternity is so important for us to have on our mind because it's everything. And uh, in a study that was done among different pockets of people, um, 70% of people who were polled who thought that they were going to heaven based the fact, their, their reasoning for why they thought they would be going to heaven on the fact that they live a good life. They've lived a good life. They've done good things. They didn't give an answer of salvation and redemption through Jesus. They said, I've been good enough to get to heaven. 70% of people polled did it that way and answered that way. So that means we here as a church or as believers, we have work to do in our culture. We have to open the eyes. We have to ask God to help us open the eyes of some people uh, and, and use the Holy Spirit to, to get people to understand truth that your destination, your default destination when you're born is hell. When, when you're here until you've uh, prayed a prayer of salvation and, and asked God to do a redemptive work and made him Lord of your life, you're set to a place away from heaven. Now, again, I'll stop here and say, 
any child, any, any young person, of course, any miscarriage, anything like that, who hasn't had the understanding of the redemptive work of God, I think they're excluded. It's a different, that's a different story. But I'm saying as adults, as people who can choose to serve and love God and make him Lord of their lives, until you have that experience, your default destination uh, is hell. And so as Christians, we need to go out. We need to be so eternally minded. We make an earthly difference. Amen.